Hi there, this is Jim and Ralph, and we welcome you to Psychology Takeaway, where we look at current issues in psychology and attempt to make some sense out of them so that you can apply them to your world. And one of the things that uh, we're going to urge you to look at, in addition to our Learn More section, is uh, the Scientific American feed that we have uh, put up on our site for you. Yeah, and if you go down to the lower right-hand corner, you'll see Scientific American, and then there are articles from current Scientific American uh, 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 magazines or issues. And um, some of them are very relevant to psychology and what we've uh, talked about over the past uh, you know, decade or so that we've been doing this. And sometimes you're going to miss them. And particularly if you pick up your uh, podcast with uh, a Podbean, you're going to miss it because it doesn't show up with Podbean. It just shows up with psychologytakeaway.com. Okay, and uh, one of the interesting things about this is in a world where everybody says we have to look at the validity of sources, I think Scientific American is about as valid as it gets. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. So two of them that were of interest to Ralph and I um, aren't up there right now. Uh, one is, uh, but one was there a couple of days ago and it disappeared. So they change uh, every week or so. So there's a new feed coming in. So just you know, begin to uh, be aware of what's coming in. And you'll see that some of them are uh, pretty interesting. But the two that were interesting to Ralph and I, um, one was uh, about American school children who have fallen behind uh, in terms of competition with children from other countries. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then the other one that was of interest to us was that uh, children are afraid to ask for help. Afraid to ask for help. And the two of these are kind of related, and they're both related to what we've talked about you know, in the past. How about so, this first one, Ralph? Well, uh, you know, one of the things that is interesting, Jim, is they did uh, comparisons with children from other countries, and they discovered that uh, the U.S. may not have done uh, its children a good service by closing the schools down for effectively what amounts to two academic years. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, good point there. Um, and they found that kids were lower, American kids were lower in literacy, numeracy, and I think sort of uh, uh, self-efficacy when compared to kids from uh, other countries. Yeah, now many of the other countries that they, uh, they compared to, uh, for example, Estonia, uh, did not shut their schools down. They had limited uh, um, attendance in actual physical classrooms, but uh, they didn't basically say schools are closed. Okay, so kids were getting, uh, I guess, a, sort of a face-to-face -face education there, right? Yeah, and they were they were getting it. I think it in Estonia at least it was two days a week uh, face to face, and uh, alternate weeks were three days. Okay, 
So the importance, I suppose, of of having a an adult there in the uh, in the room um, for accountability. And you know, you mentioned before we went on that uh, here in the United States um, there were a number of, of factors that were involved with kids not doing well online. Some kids just aren't online scholars. Yeah. Uh, some teachers, at least at the beginning, didn't know how to teach online. And in some cases, the kids who were at home, uh, even if they did have a, uh, an ability to go online, might not have been highly motivated to do so when you have a choice between um, uh, playing a video game on your Chromebook versus uh, having to uh, go through, you know, parsing uh, uh, adjectives. Yeah, and uh, part of the problem is that uh, in many cases, school systems did not have um, effective online teaching module, modules, which is uh, writing them is one of the black arts, and uh, a lot of teachers simply did not understand uh, the whole process, and students often, uh, well, let's put it this way, if you had a choice between uh, doing 27 math problems or going on TikTok, which would you choose? Oh, I'd choose the math problems, Ralph. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good point. So, the article was, was interesting. It pointed up the, the differences between um, American students and students from other countries. Um, and in the article, I can't remember if they uh, gave us any uh, numbers in terms of how far behind American students were. Did, do you re recall, Ralph? In that article, they didn't. But I've seen another article um, that basically says that in the 18 months that uh, schools were essentially shut, uh, American students fell behind um, something on the order of two years. Okay. And yep. in some cases, as much as two and a half years. Now, how you fall behind, you know, two and a half grades uh, in 18 months is interesting. And it often suggests that what happened is students who are in lower income households uh, who didn't have access to support from family um, fell much more steeply. Disproportionately more steeply than, than, than kids who, who had supportive uh, atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, and you know, often that uh, one of those things was the education level of the parents. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you mentioned an interesting phenomenon that is, how do kids? fall two and a half years behind in 18 months. But we see it every year, actually, Ralph, when uh, a child leaves a grade, say, oh, fourth grade, uh -huh. at grade level, and they go into fifth grade, well, they might be at the 4.5 level because of the uh, summer vacation. So we right. see this loss of... of uh, uh, I wouldn't say loss of... Uh, achievement, but in terms of the, the tests that we use, at least, they achieve more poorly than they had previously. And there's some things that we could 
talk about, and we probably won't, but that could be an argument for uh, year-round school. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that a lot of people who are advocates of year-round schooling have said that the school system, the way we have it set up now, was really designed for an agricultural America, and students were off in the summer not so much for, to give them a vacation, uh, but to allow them to be an assist to their family on the farm. Yeah, yeah very, very much. And, uh, you know, when we talk about year-round school, there are, are several models. I, my uh, uh, cousin, um, John, uh, out in uh, California, was at a year-round school uh, district in, in the, the greater San Diego area. And uh, uh, they would go to school for, or he would go to school for, well, essentially three months and have about three weeks off and then another three months and three weeks off, kind of like we do at the university level with our semesters or quarters. Uh, he ends up with the same quotes off time, but uh, instead of having, uh, what, 12 weeks off in the summer, he's got four three-week periods uh, that he has off. So shorter, he, shorter time off means less loss. Right, right. That's the, that's the argument, at least. And I think the uh, uh, research does you know, point that out. Okay, so let's just wring our hands, pull our hair, gnash our teeth over these results. I don't think so. No. One of the things that uh, we, we could argue and has been argued is that uh, the tests that we're using to measure achievement are somewhat artificial and children are actually learning more than the tests measure. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, there's something else, you know, too. You know, are we going to have a whole generation of American kids that are going to be substantially behind the you know, children from the rest of the world? I don't think so, because you know, there's another artificial construct here, Ralph, and that is when does learning start? And hey, learning starts at day one of life. Yeah. You know, it starts at birth. Um, and in fact, we have looked at some of the stuff uh, of uh, learning you know, prior to, to birth. And uh, when we talked oh, a number of years ago about ACEs, we um, found that, that uh, adverse childhood experiences can affect a, uh, a developing fetus. And you can go and see that, some of those archives, uh, on our uh, websites. Uh, but what happens is that we often say or think that uh, education starts in kindergarten or preschool when the child actually goes to, to school. But no, the kid is learning all the time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you think about it, if you've, if you've watched a child develop, uh, the amount that... Um, a baby immediately after birth, uh, what they can do, um, and then you compare them to that same child at 18 months or three years. Uh, like night and day. It's like night and day. They have mastered uh, walking, talking, uh, potty training, etc., etc., uh, by the time they're three, or many of them have. And um, 
you look at that and say, well, yeah, that's, that's just normal child development. Well, it is and it isn't because uh, depending on the kind of household that a child is, is raised in, uh, they could very well be uh, more highly developed than another child. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you say highly developed, I mean uh, uh, able to achieve something or other that it, at one age that another child would achieve at an earlier age, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we talked about things like brain plasticity um, in, in the past. So we've got here some behavioral plasticity. So instead of uh, uh, taking this uh, uh, article and, uh, you know, going, you know, woe is us, uh, we just have to take it and say, hey, there are some things that we can do with our children at an early age to facilitate learning. And yeah, okay, some kids are going to be behind because they've missed some, some school uh, with the pandemic. But uh, yeah, I'd say we can probably assume that we can help them catch up without much we can, and one of the studies, Jim, that it's a very old study now, but uh, I often think about it when um, people are talking about uh, reading at grade level. Uh huh. There was a study done um, about 40 years ago that showed that if you took a child and did not teach that child to read, until the equivalent of the seventh grade in age, in one year, they would master reading up to grade level. I can, I can believe that. Uh, because a lot of children, uh, you know, when they're, uh, when they're five or six, uh, the motivation to, uh, to read is maybe very slight mm -hmm. yeah. but by the time they reach seventh grade and they want to keep up with their peers and they want to uh, not look like uh, the class uh, for lack of a better term dummy uh, they uh, they will learn to read very quickly mm -hmm. yeah good point in the other world i think we've talked to our listeners about this before but uh, one of the things that kept you and I and probably uh, Don Murtis and a couple of other slackers in uh, school and, and interested in being in school was the fact that our fifth grade teacher, Kelvin Shaw, provided us with interesting reading material. We didn't have Dick and Jane. You know, we had Boy's Life, we had Field and Stream, we had National Geographic. You know, we yeah, were, and we we were had, building bridges. We were doing sword fights. We were exploring in the Himalayas. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that uh, in that year we had the school library, uh, such as it was, in our classroom. So uh, I can remember reading uh, um, Kidnapped uh -huh. and yeah. Treasure Island. Um halfway through grade five. Those were supposed to be grade eight books. Okay, yeah. yeah. So having the, the opportunity then to have material that uh, was of interest to you. I don't know how many kids today are going to uh, get turned on by uh, 
Treasure Island or kidnapped, you know. I don't know because as far as I can tell, they're not exposed to those. Yeah. So. And, you know, there are, um, there are books today uh, that kids like. Uh, a lot of the urban fantasy books uh, are uh, books of choice for preteens. Mm-hmm. Um, Vampire books are <laughs> a choice for preteens. Yeah. Uh, One, Dogman, the, the Adventures of Dogman. Now, or um, Diary, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I used to poo-poo those books until I started to read them with some of my clients. And even though you've got a um, dogman, a, a, a character with the head of a dog and the body of a person, um, there's some good uh, points that come up, some, some moral dilemmas that have to be resolved. Same thing with Diary of a Wimpy Kid. There's this kid uh, who's uh, uh, in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and uh, you know he's learning about social relationships. He's learning about uh, uh, getting along with his parents. He's learning about getting along with his siblings. And you know, I've I've had to repent of my my uh, snobbishness, <laughs> thinking that only uh, only quote good literature is good literature. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things, Jim, and this spins off into uh, the second article um, that we recommend from uh, this week's Scientific American is uh, why children are afraid to ask for help. Yep, and uh, we're, we don't have much time left, but the short version is reputation, that children want to be seen as competent and... and uh, smart. Uh, smart. And asking for help, then, according to the literature, seems to convey, to kids at least, the opposite. Now, we used to think that it wasn't until children were maybe 9 or 10 that they would make comparisons, social comparisons, with other children and see themselves as smart or not so smart. But the uh, uh, article says that it could be as early as 5, 6 years of age that kids see themselves as being not so smart if they have to ask for help. And if you think about it, if, if a student is, uh, is on a computer and uh, they have to write into their teacher, A, first of all, they have to write. Mm -hmm. Good point. And B, they have to say, I can't do problem 13. Uh, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody else looks at their computer and says, oh, you had to ask for help. You must be a dummy. Mm-hmm. So kids are making these kinds of, of uh, social assumptions at uh, earlier and earlier ages. And that's what the, the gist of that particular article is. And I will put uh, both of them uh, uh, as links under Learn More, because if you go to the Scientific American RSS, um, when you're hearing this, both of those articles may have disappeared. Just like, yeah. you know, that second article on, on fear has disappeared. So I'll put links to both of them upon uh, Learn More. But I think that what we have here, Ralph, is uh, in both cases, 
I think we've got some some uh, room for hope. First yeah. of all, kids, yeah, they may have lost something with academic achievement during the pandemic, but they can get it, regain it. Yeah, okay, I, I think that's true. And uh, I think one of the things that a parent can do is just encourage their students to um, to work hard and learn. Mm -hmm. And the second thing about children who are uh, afraid of the social comparison of uh, asking for help is that we as adults could uh, actually um, uh, reinforce children who act, who do uh, seek help. Yeah. I mean, if you and I can't do something, what do we? We often seek the help of somebody else who can do that thing, right? Right. <clears throat> and one of the classic examples of that is... Uh, Finding a 10-year-old to fix your phone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also um, taking, uh, taking a look at uh, YouTube and saying, uh, my uh, uh, humidifier is uh, broken. How do oh. I fix it? Okay, and you'll get a ton of articles on yeah. how to fix broken humidifiers. Good point about that one, Ralph. Um, so we have a built-in uh, kind of um, library of how to do things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the two articles kind of looked doomish and gloomish, but in fact, we, as we uh, began to unpack them, we can see some silver linings, right? I think so, yes, okay. and uh, I would uh, I would again say, uh, you know, if, if you see your child is hesitant to ask for help, encourage them by even saying something as simple as, look, there's no dumb questions. You know, if you don't know, ask. Very good. Okay. Well, until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.